Hello and welcome to Good Works in the Heartland podcast. I'm Lori Kessinger, Outreach Coordinator for the Audio Reader Network. And today I have Josh Schneider from The Hill KC. Josh, go ahead and introduce yourself and and tell us a little bit about your programs. Yes, uh, like you said, I am owner and operator of The Hill Kansas City located in downtown Kansas City, just south of the Crossroads District. Um, I have been in the functional fitness kind of realm for about the last 10 years. Uh, Prior to that, I served in the Marine Corps from 2009 through 2013. Um, And that is where my love of fitness and training and helping individuals really born. Um, And I've kind of taken that into a career um, in the entrepreneurial realm and also the nonprofit realm. Wonderful. So the Hill KC is is just a standard gym workout space. And then um, you have a variety of programs. Is that is that correct? Correct. Yes. So at the Hill, Kansas City, we believe very wholeheartedly that our focus here is to just uh, build everyday athletes and everyday athletes to us are individuals who seek to be active outside of the gym space. So uh, individuals who want to run marathons and 5Ks and hike 14ers and play with their grandkids. Uh, we're really well suited to kind of serve those individuals to maintain health and longevity until the later years. And we do that through specific focuses in general physical preparedness training, uh, strength training, and then also range of motion training. Okay. How many members um, do you have at your gym currently? So we're currently uh, sitting right about the 140 member uh, number coming off of uh, two years of a pandemic where our model is group fitness. Uh, So during the pandemic, it was the, you know, don't get together in groups and certainly don't breathe heavy around each other while you're in that group. So uh, it was an interesting couple of years, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely feeling the build back and people are ready to, uh, you know, get out of their houses and start taking, uh, taking control of their health again. So during the pandemic, was most of your stuff outdoor type activities because that was a little bit safer or did you do a variety of things? Yeah, so we transitioned almost immediately to a kind of a gym equipment rental service to maintain membership. So we rented out all of the equipment we could possibly rent out in our facility from, you know, monostructural rowing and bike machines to weights, dumbbells, barbells, and things like that. And for eight weeks during the mandatory shutdown in Kansas City, we just rented equipment out to help maintain memberships in that active lifestyle. And then upon returning into the facility, we had the outdoor offerings uh, through some services. And then we went to kind of the, the model that everybody did, the social distancing model. And luckily we had built out a space right before the pandemic that was twice the square footage. So we got to take advantage of that new space uh, and keep people safe while still being able to come in and exercise for their hour. And where are you located? So we are straight south of the Crossroads District on Penway um, across from the IRS building. Great, great. Um, the reason, or I found out about you from uh, Sheila at The Whole Person, and she sent out an email about the Adaptive Athletes Program that you have, kind of in, giving her testimonial um, about participating in that, but also encouraging people to, to visit with you and to do a consultation. So can you talk a little bit about the Adaptive Athletes Program, how people, um, what it is and how people can get involved with it? Yeah, so... In 2017, uh, we developed a nonprofit here that was primarily focused on the veterans and first responders side of uh, just transitioning out of service or learning how to deal with 
life uh, just out of uniform. And through that venture um, and that program, I was introduced to the adaptive sport world. Um, CrossFit at the time had kind of dabbled in it slightly. Um, and what we thought to ourselves was really simply that the veterans and first responders that we serve may also be somebody with a disability. And just because that disability, um, you know, is, is something that we don't quite have an understanding with, we don't quite have accessibility with immediately, doesn't mean we should not be serving them. So we started to work with other nonprofits in the area, um, do some research on our own uh, when it comes to certifications and all of that, and developed the uh, Adaptive Athletes in Motion program that currently runs in the Hill, Kansas City today. It is a 90-day program where we focus on developing ICANN attitudes in a functional fitness space to really allow any person with a disability the ability to come in and still gain functional fitness, still gain strength improvements, and also higher qualities of life simply because we have trained individuals who can take movements that the able-bodied world are able to perform without much thought and then intelligently adapt those to the disabled community so they can challenge themselves just like anybody else. We've been doing the Adaptive Athletes in Motion program for about five years now, and it has been a very eye-opening experience um, to create access that uh, creates an insane amount of visibility. And from that standpoint, uh, has become very popular. Um, I think it's kind of unique to uh, uh, look at a world where a very large percentage of that world will have some form of a disability, but there's no fitness outlet that is completely designed with them in mind. Um, and we took advantage of that. We said, well, absolutely, we should be serving these individuals and we should be serving them well with high quality trainers and high quality equipment. And we should do this in a sustainable model so we can be here years down the road, which is what is absolutely needed to see results from exercise is just consistency and sustainability. So we've been doing it for about five years. The entry point is very simple. Um, we partner with other nonprofits in the area. You've listed one as the whole person, which is Sheila, um, amazing human being, so much fun to have in class. Uh, the I can attitude with that lady is the manifestation of that program in real life. She is fantastic and an amazing part of our community. Um, and we partner with the whole person. We've partnered with Midwest Adaptive Sports and Ability KC to just kind of get our name out there that, you know, when uh, individuals who are maybe newly injured or kind of looking for something different to say active, they have an access point, they have a contact point, and then we just do a very basic application process. We meet with the individuals a couple times, ideally meeting with them during one of our structured classes that happens four times a week here um, to show them what it might look like for them to join the program. And then from that, it's, uh, you know, show up, work out, hang out, have a good time, and let's come back tomorrow time. And uh, to this point, it's, it's been very exciting to have so many athletes consistently show up and be so excited to uh, really get their butt kicked in a workout and do that with a smile on their face. And just to, to clarify, this is, uh, as Sheila is um, blind, but this is for all disabilities, people with, with all different kinds of, whether it's physical mobility, visual challenges, um, deafness, any, but any, uh, any disabilities are, are qualifying for that. Correct. Yes. Any disability where 
um, yeah, just simply you haven't had access to or had support to become part of that fitness community. Um, my job as the program director and the founder of the nonprofit is to find a way to never say no. Uh, and in the last five years, I have not been told no because uh, I'm, I'm awfully created and my creative and my staff is awfully creative as well. That is, that is great. Uh, the bulk of the classes then or the participation is at your facility. Is there any um, personal trainers that go to the home or would help people that way? Or is it primarily coming into the facility? So coming into the facility is the current iteration of the uh, Adaptive Athletes in Motion program. The other side of the nonprofit that focuses on the veterans and first responders side of things, we have branched out into other facilities in the Kansas City area. We have five current locations who take veterans and first responders and put them through that program. And our hope is to be able to take this program, the Adaptive Athletes in Motion program, to other qualified facilities to allow them to run a similar program down the road. It's just the, uh, it's the logistics of it all. And then also the staffing where we can be here in five to 10 years down the road, because we know that's more important than starting something that is going to end quickly because we just didn't think long-term. Right. So what is the cost first to um, a facility uh, or to, to get this program going? Is there a cost to the facility that you might be partnering with? And then also to individuals to participate? So for the facility, it's really the accessibility of the facility. So we were lucky enough in 2019 to have an opportunity to build an entirely new facility and double our square footage and take on some additional um, revenue streams. So we built this facility with the Adaptive Athletes in Motion program in mind. Um, our lighting we chose because it does not cast shadows. So for those with visual impairments, um, they don't have trouble with transitioning and lighting. Uh, we chose the parking lots and, and, and uh, put more ADA accessible parking spaces in them and that were required by the facility and the building code simply because we knew we were going to have more athletes show up. Um, our bathrooms have more than needed uh, when it comes to building code for accessible stalls and showers and things like that. So we were lucky to build our facility with this program in mind. And that's really kind of the starting point for any facility wanting to take this on is to just have an accessible point. Um, everything needs to be uh, just the ability for them to continue to show up and show up with relatively small um, issues to get in and operate inside of that facility. We know not everything has the ability to do that, but uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the first point is just your facility needs to be accessible. Um, so from a cost standpoint, you know, that can range from uh, a very small, I'm ready to go today to, you know, a little bit larger where, you know, steps have to be removed and ramps need to be put in and transitions need to be taken away and so on and so forth. So again, it's kind of on the individual basis of the facility at that point. Cost for the individual is uh, something that we are very proud of. To this point, we've been able to subsidize needs-based scholarships, simply meaning after the program has ended for 90 days, we give you the ability through a very basic financial questionnaire to have a needs-based scholarship where we believe accountability is important. So participants will cover some portion of a membership um, and then the nonprofit will cover the remainder of that membership. Um, the, uh, the true cost of training an individual over a week, a month, or a year is much more than what the uh, traditional public believes because of the traditional gym models. 
but uh, we are very lucky to be able to provide those needs-based scholarships to them. And then the initial 90 days, the first 90 days of the TRUE program, that is complimentary. So the, not, the nonprofit covers all costs for the first 90 days. We simply don't wanna put a financial burden to participants as this may be their first opportunity and in interaction in a functional fitness space. So we wanna take that burden away from them. We want them to see the benefit of being around a supported inclusive-based community and what that can do for the quality of life. And then from that standpoint, we want you to feel a little bit of that monthly due coming out of your pocket that you worked hard to make, um, but the nonprofit will help you out with that as well. Great, so how does um, your nonprofit get the, the money? The, and it's adaptive, adaptive Athletes, is that the nonprofit arm of Hill KC or is it a different uh, entity? So the, yeah, the nonprofit itself is known as Block Life. So B-L-O-C-L-I-F-E is the name of the nonprofit. Okay. Um, that nonprofit has underneath of it, the two programs, the Veterans and First Responder Program known as Chalk Up for Burpees, and then the Disabled Program known as Adaptive Athletes in Motion. So those two programs have events associated with them every single year. We have some amazing donors who have chosen to contribute on a monthly basis. But outside of that, we run two uh, large events every year. The Chalk Up for Burpees event is on Veterans Day every single year. And there we do a seven minute workout. Um, if you've ever done a burpee, and I'm sure Sheila can cue you in on those burpees if you have not, but uh, we do burpees with chalk on our hands, which is kind of a taboo thing in, in, in a gym space. Um, but we do it with a lot of good meaning behind everything. So we fundraise through that event and we, we sell t-shirts and things like that as well. And then the Adaptive Athletes in Motion program has an event in December as well, where we bring in individuals um, and we put them through what we call an adaptive only workout, simply meaning everybody who comes to the door that day will do a workout as an adaptive athlete. So they'll do a workout as a athlete in a wheelchair. They'll do a workout uh, as a above the elbow amputee or a below the knee amputee or somebody who's a visual or something like that. So we do events to fundraise on an annual basis. And those events are really where we uh, get the funding to provide these needs by scholarships and then also to support the staff who run these programs. That is very cool. I Seven minutes of burpees. I don't know that that sounds <laughs> and people pay and people pay you to do seven minutes of burpees. That's, you know, that's pretty impressive. So you can figure out why I love my job so much. It's, uh, <laughs> people pay me to uh, to to make give them just a little taste of pain every once in a while. Yeah, to torture them. Yes. Uh, for, <laughs> for those of the for those that may not know what a burpee is, can you kind of explain what it is? It's kind of a jumping jack, and it's also a push up. And yeah, it's a that's a beautiful way of looking at it. absolutely. So a burpee is is very simply taking your body from a standing position putting your body as low as possible to the floor if you can. Um, and then you stand up off of that floor, you jump just a little bit so I can slide a piece of paper underneath those feet. Uh, and when you do that, we count that as one repetition and you try to repeat that as many times as you can in seven minutes. The, uh, the burpee was specifically chosen for the program and the events because it has a lot of tie-ins to the veteran and first responder community. Um, it's a movement that is, uh, it's, it's more mental than it ever is physical. Your mind tends to say, okay, that's enough. You can slow down now. I don't want to do anymore. So it's a very mental work, uh, movement. It's also a movement that I can universally scale. There is no ability level 
that cannot do some form of a burpee. If you can take your body from a standing position to just a slightly lower position and then put your arms over your head, you're able to do a burpee. So we can have anybody do a version of a burpee. And then the symbolism of the burpee of going down and then standing up reminds us that veterans and first responders, uh, a lot of the times are kind of down and we want to take ourselves down there with them uh, and, and help understand them, never judge, but always understand with empathy and understanding. And uh, we hope to pick them up when we stand up. And if we can do that for seven minutes, then what a crazy world it could be if we could do that the rest of the year. That's amazing. When are these events? Have they been scheduled uh, yes. for, for this so, year? Yeah. So the events this year will be November 11th, which is Veterans Day weekend. Right. I believe that is a Friday this year. Um, and then as well, we have ourselves the adaptive only event, which will happen the first weekend in December. So we kind of have uh, two events within three weeks of each other, focusing on the two different programs and fundraising for those programs. If people want to participate in both or either one, how do they sign up? How do they register? Um, what's the process for getting involved first with these fundraising and then also just uh, finding out about your programs enrolling in adaptive athletes or coming to the gym? Yeah, absolutely. So luckily this year, I teamed up with an amazing uh, web developer who has developed the Block Life website. So blocklife.org is the website. And there, uh, six weeks prior to the Chalk Up for Burpees event, we will open up a application form to sign up for that event. We'll have a competition, gym to gym competition this year, as well as individual competition this year uh, to kind of just spur a little bit of camaraderie and community inside of the facilities. So you'll be able to sign up through the website on that six weeks prior to the event. And then as well, we'll have a sign up for the adaptive only event on that website uh, six weeks prior to that event. So we'll channel everything through the website to sign up. Um, also on the website, there is a portal to donate through. So the website is really designed with two things in mind to learn about us um, and also to donate to the cause. Um, additionally, at the bottom of the website, there's a contact form. So anybody who is interested in any of the programs and you can research the programs via the website, um, they can fill out that contact form. That contact form comes straight to me. And then you're entered into what we refer to as the closed loop of the program, where you meet with me, we kind of decide the um, appropriateness of the program, you know, if there's logistical issues, you know, schedule crazy things coming up, okay, let's figure out the best time for you to start the program so we can be consistent with it. And then after that, uh, you are, you know, enrolled into the program and your 90 days of that complimentary membership has started. Uh, and we continue to roll through the 90 days and into the needs-based scholarship if it's appropriate. So the 90 days, is it a rolling um, when, whenever people sign up for it or, or are there times that, that you have the program going? Typically what we will do is we try to do it on a monthly basis. So we try to keep everybody kind of starting at a similar time. Um, you know, this builds camaraderie, builds community. It also is a, you right. know, uh, a trusting face in a, in a new space. So we, we tend to kind of batch people together at the beginning of the month to kind of get them enrolled into the program. And it's worked really well in the past and, and, and we'll kind of continue to stick with that. And how frequently then during that 90 days do they meet to work out? So there is a terms and conditions of the program. Um, I am a 
blunt object by nature being a Marine. I, I, I tend to follow rules that are written on pieces of paper. Um, and I tend to follow a lot of rules when I have to look at somebody in the face and say, I'm going to do that. So this is bled into the program. So the terms and conditions of the program are really simple is we ask you to be in the facility exercising at a minimum two days per week, whether that is on the complimentary 90 days or if that is the needs-based scholarship to follow. Um, you know, we're firm believers that you are what you do the majority of the time and not what you do some of the time. So if fitness and moving and taking care of your body is something that you truly believe is part of you, we want you to be doing that the majority of the time. So you get the results that come with your money and your effort that you're putting in. Great, great. And that accountability from being a part of a group is definitely helpful. I know I do better when I'm in a group exercise class than, oh, I'm just going to go lift some weights and walk on the treadmill. So I really like the, the accountability. Um, yeah, the, 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 the being part of a group, um, you know, I, I think, you know, coming off of the pandemic, there's, you know, so many unfortunate things and, and terrible things that the pandemic taught us. But I think the pandemic, as we're coming out of it, taught us a very valuable lesson when it comes to our health. And two things that we absolutely know is that we are less, uh, we are less happy when we are unable to be around the people who make us happy. Um, you know, if, if being isolated is just not something that any of us thrive in, um, regardless of if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I believe everybody is an extrovert to a certain point until they just need time to recharge their batteries. And people just have, you know, longer or shorter charges to, to kind of get back out there. So I think isolation is one thing that the pandemic taught us is not good for us um, physically and mentally. And then also the pandemic told us that, you know, that sedentary lifestyle where you can actually just choose whatever you want to do is it removes structure. And when you remove structure from your day in your life, what tends to happen is a lot of procrastination. The things that are most important to you um, health-wise and mental health-wise always get pushed to the last thing that you give attention to. And that last thing you give attention to, if your schedule is off, doesn't get attention. So the pandemic taught us two very valuable lessons that doing this alone is not the answer. And, and, and doing this alone, if you're the home exerciser, more than likely the dumbbell or the bike you purchased will become a laundry rack and a doorstop. Yes, that seems to be true before the pandemic. Um, I, I did see something interesting too about Peloton. You know, during the pandemic, they had such a huge push and they had ads all the time. Oh, you can still exercise at home, keep fit. And now that people are out and about again, like they're not as popular as they were during the pandemic um, and that their stock has plummeted and, and everything else. So that that's definitely true. You know, you might have the equipment at home and you might've figured out how to adaptively work out, but you still want to be Part of a group and have that accountability so i think that's yeah. a, a great model yeah the, the group also i think is it's uh it brings out the secret competitor in all of us i, I don't <laughs> think most of us think you know waking up every day is like okay how can i compete against the individuals i'm going to be at work with today or whatever but when you put them in a in a in a fitness space and there's a workout that all you know everybody collectively is doing at the same time and you also know that you know so and so athlete across the room is kind of that athlete that is just always a little bit ahead of you in a workout or a little bit ahead of you when it comes to the weights you you have a rabbit to chase and it, it's so important to have that little carrot hanging out in front of you that says man that'd be a lot of fun to be able to keep up with them right you know it'd be fun to have the skills that they have and that group accountability is just that that brings out that secret competitor and in the adaptive community, especially, uh, you, it's, it's a lot of fun to see the competitor come out 
that has been hidden for for years mm-hmm. uh, whether you know it they've never been able to kind of have that competitive route simply because they were born with their disability or the traumatic injury kind of you know put a blanket over that for a while and all of a sudden they're back in the gym and they're looking across a room and seeing somebody do something and they're like hey can I do that and I'm my answer is always I don't know but we're gonna try so it's a lot of fun to see the competitor come out in these athletes on a regular basis. Can you share um, a couple of stories or a story about um, oh, either a, a, a great success that you've had um, with, with either program or a specific goal that somebody has achieved? You know, they came in and they wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail and were finally able to do it or, you know, some sort of, of inspirational story like that. Yeah. So, um, and this, and this is the, it, it kind of highlights why this, the veteran and first responder thing absolutely mandatorily had to be a disabled idea as well. So we have an individual who's been with us for, for a number of years. Um, he is previous law enforcement and, and had a injury on the, on the job and his, his life completely changed in, in a matter of seconds. Um, you know, went from, uh, you know, attack officer, um, you know, top of his class, um, you know, a hero in our local community to the next day being an athlete in a wheelchair. Um, and, you know, he survived his injury, um, miraculously has regained a lot of functionality. But when he came to us, um, he was an athlete new to a wheelchair, um, an athlete new to just that life and, and the mental side of that, I could not imagine going from the able body to the disabled community and, and, you know, in a matter of seconds and his big goal coming in was, Hey, I want to walk. And my thought was, okay. Uh, I know how new we are to this. Uh, I know how much work there is to be done. Uh, this is an individual that can outwork the hardest worker you could ever think of. And through consistently showing up, uh, you know, getting stronger at his pushing and his pulling while he was in his chair, improving his cardiovascular endurance, uh, his conditioning and his agility, the things we work on every day in our workouts. Um, he one day looked at a sled and said, Hey, I want to try to work with that sled. And I said, all right, cool. Uh, what do you want me to do? And he goes, just get it out and put it in front of my chair. And luckily his wife, who has been with him through this journey said, Hey, I'll help him. Um, and, and you can kind of just guide us and kind of be a safety blanket if needed. So sure as heck, he, we pull the chair out and he grabs the tall bars on that sled and pulls himself to a standing position, which first off my mind went crazy and proceeded to push the sled, um, proceeded to walk with that sled we have a strip of turf in our facility that the sled can easily move on and push that sled down the turf a little ways. And we brought the chair to him and he sat back down and he has continued to work on his standing, his walking. We did a workout Tuesday, yesterday that uh, we had pull-ups in it and being a seated athlete, we work on pulling a lot. And he looks at me and I already knew what he was going to say. He goes, I'm going to work on my sit to stands. So just simply meaning he's going to work on his ability to stand up out of his chair and sit back down in his chair. Well, luckily for him, my coaching staff was pretty amazing here. So instead of his chair, we pulled it out from behind him and we put a box that was a little bit lower than his chair. So he worked on real squats on that day. Um, and it was, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing to see somebody achieve a goal that the medical world 
may or may not have supported him in, but when he came into his workouts, there was no doubt in any of our minds that, yeah, sure as heck, he's going to do that because this is the type of individual that's determined and that I can attitude will not stop. That, that is, that is amazing. That is amazing. And the fact that you are there um, to provide that kind of support, Hey, this is what you need for safety. This is what you need to, to accomplish, um, to make it more than just a sit to stand, make it squat. So that's, yeah, that's, that's some exciting stuff. That is some exciting stuff. It's the, uh, there, there's no such thing as bad days. Um, the, the beauty of, of what we do with our adaptive athlete motion program is, is new to us this year, January one, we've integrated it into our able-bodied workouts. So our disabled community and everybody else works out at noon and four o'clock in the exact same class. Um, I have uh, a coach who coaches the CrossFit class, and then I coach the adaptive class and they do the same workout. It's intelligently adapted for their ability levels. And when you have a group of individuals getting their butt kicked in a workout, and then they look over and they see athletes in wheelchairs, they see visually impaired athletes, and those athletes are giving it their all. The complaints in that room diminish and and almost (laughs) evaporate. Nobody thinks that they have the hardest version of that workout today. And it's really cool to see that across the board from program to for-profit. Right, right. Oh, that's, that is great. And the integration is wonderful, too, because like you said, a lot of times, it's either you're going to physical therapy, and it's you with your therapist, and you're working alone, or you are segregated because of, because of a disability. So the fact that everybody's together is a really another really cool feature, I think, of, of your program. Thank you. It's we we really want to highlight the fact that we want to manufacture the world that you live in. Um, we don't want to remove you from the world that you live in. You, you're going to leave my space and be out there for 23 hours of the day. And I want you to develop an I can attitude in my space, but that I can attitude sure as heck better spill over into the world that you actually live in 23 hours a day, because that's the most important thing. Confidence for an hour is great, but confidence for a lifetime is unstoppable. So it's, it's amazing to see it and have to have a community that supports it and then really a community that always wants to know how can I help more. I think that covers everything, Josh. Um, I don't have any more questions. Is there anything that you wanted to say that um, that we didn't cover or something you wanted to share? No, I just, I, I, I thank you for your time, Lori. And, and, and I think, you know, really the, the disabled community as a whole for just giving Block Life the opportunity to learn with them. We, we start each program and each participant in just a, in, an interview. And my big things are, hey, we need to communicate. Uh, and also, I want you to understand that I don't have all of the answers. My coaching staff will not have all of the answers. We will learn with you in this journey. Um, and I promise you, we will do this with your best intentions and your best quality of life in mind. So I thank everybody who just brings awareness to it. Um, I thank everybody who brings um, access to it, the ones who are doing it out there right now who don't get any recognition to it. An adaptive program is, is no doubt work because there's no template that has been designed that anybody can copy and paste. Um, the for-profit model is, is copy and pasteable. It's easy. You can steal it from anywhere else in the world. But the disabled population, like we're, we're learning with them and we love the fact that they continue to show up. They continue to give us opportunities to learn with them. And uh, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to serve them every single day. Give the contact information, the website, um, for getting information one more time. Yeah, so website is blocklife.org, B-L-O-C-L-I-F-E.org. On there, you can research both of the programs. If you so choose, you can help 
uh, fund some of those programs um, and then also fill out contact forms on there. We are also on Instagram at The Block Life. Um, and then I believe my social media man also has started this through some TikTok, um, Indeed, and all of the other fun ones that uh, I have to learn TikTok, which is my next thing I must learn. So <laughs> I'm excited for that opportunity as well. Yeah, we're talking about TikTok also, but I don't know if that's the demographic, but it seems to be the seems to be the thing right now. So I, jump on that bandwagon. It's going to be exciting, yeah, nonetheless. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks a lot, Josh. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. The Good Works in the Heartland podcast is a production of the Audio Reader Network.